Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I just want people to understand that I went for 150 with Matt Moore as my quarterback. I love you, Matt Moore, versus the Minnesota Vikings. If you don't remember that game, 150 and one touchdown with Matt Moore as my quarterback. So who? Hey, and two. So what you trying to say? And two a T is 10 10 Matt Moores. <laughs> I love Matt Moore, <laughs> but two a T is 10 Matt Moores. A fairly quiet Friday night became far more interesting when I was made aware of the first episode of Tyree Kill's podcast, It Needed to Be Said. That's the title. Some things that maybe didn't need to be said were said. We are grateful they were said because on Monday, June 13, it gives us plenty of things to discuss on this program. It's PFT Live. Miles Simmons is in for Chris Sims today, who is on assignment. I always thought it was so cool when you turn on a show and they say somebody's on assignment. And then you start wondering, well, what's the assignment? Is it like some CIA thing? It sounds so official and so secretive. He's on assignment. He's off to kill Putin. Like, it's just, I love that phrase. Why did you go there of all things? Like we just went from zero. Mike, it's too early on the West Coast for that, man. Like we, I, can't, I can't have you starting Monday like that. We got, we got to do something else. I haven't, I haven't done this with you in what, like a month, month and a half, and that's where you begin. Well, yes. <laughs> I just go wherever the spirit moves me. By the way, I do appreciate very much you getting up. <laughs> extremely early like ridiculously early it's 4 a.m well and a couple minutes after now Uh in wherever you live out there in los angeles santa monica santa barbara santa something whatever it is you're out there in los angeles and i appreciate you getting up very early uh, I don't Santa, know how. Santa I don't know. Not, Santa Cruz. Santa Barbara's not in LA County. But like, I mean, yes, there are a lot okay. of Santas. But okay. There's all the yeah. Santas out there. Plenty of Santas. Mm-hmm. Plenty of Santas walking around Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, anyway, exactly. ho, uh, ho, we ho. appreciate you. We appreciate you getting up very early to do the program today. And, and and look, what Sims and I usually do, especially when things aren't all that crazy busy, is we waste the first ten minutes just talking about whatever we happen to think of so that's kind of what i'm doing now just a little filibuster so we don't have to stretch the news although we are fortunate because there's a little more news than there otherwise would be on monday june 13 we're ending the final week of the off-season programs next week we're on hiatus see we have synced up our calendar with the nfl so we shut it down for five weeks and then we come back when training camp opens kind of nice but then once training camp opens it's a wild ride until next year If I'm still alive, challenge number one. If I'm still employed, challenge number two, we do it all over again. Yeah, well, we're another June 13th closer to death, Mike. How how was your birthday last week? How was that? Another year older official. Thank thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, It was like any other day right now. Somebody was asking me, like, what are you going to do today? And I 
gave them the quick rundown. Like, you really don't care, but since you were stupid enough to ask me the perfunctory question, I'll tell you what I'm going to do today. And it's like every other day. And I got no complaints. It's a nice rhythm. It's a nice flow. We do the show for two hours. I go work on PFT. I got other stuff that I sprinkle in as the day unfolds and in the evening I, you know I'm, I'm always plugged into the matrix but this time of year there isn't much bubbling through the matrix you're paying attention to what's out there and you'll stop everything if need be like friday night like i was ready to go to bed friday night i was like oh, i probably should write something about this tyree kill thing and i ended up staying up an hour longer than i wanted to but that's what you do this time of year when the when the periodic fruit falls out of the tree you grab it and you run with it. So that was basically my birthday in a nutshell. And I was thinking of it today. It's already been five days. I've already got like only 360 days until the next flip, the next one gets added. And then the next one gets added. You'll, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. I'll be, yeah. I, I, I hope, I, I mean, I don't look forward to the day that you get to 57 because let's do the math. I don't want to do the math. I don't, I don't want to think <laughs> about, I don't want to think about that math. Yeah. You'll be, you'll be uh, several years closer to death than, than I will be, yeah. hopefully. We knock on yeah, a, a, lot, a lot closer <laughs> to the end than the beginning, 27 mm-hmm. years from now. But uh, uh, I, I'm not going to turn it dark and morbid on this Monday morning. Happy times, happy yeah. thoughts, at least for now. Let's get into a little bit more of what Tyreek Hill had to say. And let me just set this up, because I listened to the entirety, all 53 minutes, of the first episode of It Needed to Be Said. And I've seen some reaction from people along the lines of, you know, this is a new frontier in athlete-driven media. Well, we've kind of had that stuff going on. I don't know if he was inspired by Draymond Green or whatever. It can end up being a major distraction depending upon how active you are with it. My assessment, my guess, and I may be wrong, wouldn't be the first time today that I'm wrong about something, but I, I give it three and a half episodes over under. I think he's going to lose interest quickly. He's going to realize there isn't much to talk about. He's going to realize that the things he says may be causing some problems for him and maybe some of his teammates who now will have more pressure on them this year, one in particular, which we'll talk about coming up. But I just I don't get the impression it's sustainable. You can't just talk about yourself and have it be sustainable. There's got to be something more to it. You got to touch on current events. It can't just be, hey, it's about me for 53 minutes. Maybe it was just for the introductory episode. I don't know. But at some point, it's got to pivot away from the Tyreek Hill story, especially when, and since the show is called It Needed to Be Said, I need to say something about it. There was a lot of comments about how, you know, he was a fifth-round pick and they didn't play at a Division I school. And they kind of they kind of left out one very important reason why he was a fifth-round pick. I'm not going to go there. You can do the research. It's all well-documented. This wasn't a Tom Brady situation that, that right. Tyree Kill was overlooked because they didn't recognize his talent. That never was said on it needed to be said, and it needed to be said. So we, we've said it. Let's get to a clip before I say something that gets me in. And not, but I don't, I don't know why it's a problem to acknowledge that, right? I mean, the guy was a fifth-round pick because he pleaded guilty or no contest to strangling his then-pregnant girlfriend there. It needed to be said. I said it. That's why he was a fifth-round pick. It's not because he wasn't the fastest guy around. Everybody knew he was the fastest guy around. Well, you just saved everybody from a Google search. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you can focus on the show. They don't need to Google. But, but don't people already know that? I, I, was, well, I was listening to it, and I'm thinking it's going to be interesting to see how he finally deals with it. Is he going to say, well, I, you know, because I've heard from time to time that he just did it. He did it because it was simple and easy, and he, there was, it was more complicated, and he didn't want her to get in any scrutiny, so he just did the right thing. Whatever, whatever. I've heard that suggested from time to time. That was his opportunity to lay it all out there. And it just it was like it never even happened. It was it's like it's like it's like one of these feelings where I'm on a different planet, kind of like how you're feeling right now. No, no. I mean, I feel like I'm on Earth. I, you know, at least I think that no I am. dealing with me. Uh, oh, well, well, no, you're in L.A. You're in L.A. So it is a different planet. <laughs> yeah. Considering where you are right now. Yeah, it is. 
Um, but I, I feel like at this point with Tyreek Hill, because he's been around for so long and because the Chiefs have been so successful, there probably are people who maybe they didn't know or maybe they don't know quite the full story. I mean, that was a long time ago. He was drafted in, what, 2013, I think? No, so that no, that uh, 16, 15, 15. Okay, 15. Right. So, it, but still, that, that's a generation ago, basically, in the NFL. I mean, Peyton Manning's still playing, and Peyton Manning hasn't played since 2015. So, like, there are a lot of things that have happened in the league since then. I, so I, I understand why some people might not know that part of his story when you just go to Pro Football Reference, Wikipedia, or whatever website you 2016. use. 2016. 2016. Yeah. Huh. Wow. I guess time just uh, is nothing once you've been through a pandemic like we have for the last two years. But, but regardless, I just there's probably a lot that's gone into it with Tyreek Hill, where you, you might not remember the particulars of the way he was drafted. And I remember when he was a rookie, he made his impact as a special teamer, as a kick punt yeah. returner. He still had 61 catches for 593 yards as a rookie. I remember he had one particularly good game, and they had him at the very top of the NFL Twitter page, that big broad photo that and 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 there was a and people were upset people were upset that they put him at the top that's how fresh it all still was and people knew why he fell all the way to round five so there was a little revisionist history or a lot of revisionist history that crept into setting the stage for who Tyreek Hill is etc etc and his first guest for his first episode of it needed to be said was his agent Drew Rosenhaus and again not, not exactly a tough get I mean it's not like getting Marlon Brando it would be very hard to get Marlon Brando right now. I would be very impressed if anybody could get Marlon Brando now. But back in the day, like that was the white whale. That was the guy that, you know, never talked to anybody. That was an ex- that was an exclusive. It's not an exclusive if you call up your agent and say, hey, I'm doing this podcast. I need a guest. I couldn't get anybody. Will you do it? So Drew Rosen, I was driving in his car with his family in the car. I assume he wasn't holding his phone. He had one of those things where it like sticks on the windshield. But he he visited the podcast for a while and they talked about the circumstances resulting in Tyreek Hill being traded from the Chiefs. Now, we'd been led to believe, let's set the table, that it was just a, a very basic business decision. Nothing personal. Tyreek Hill won a top of market. The Chiefs decided instead of paying him top of market because we've got Patrick Mahomes top of market and, you know, we, we're trying to hold this thing together. Hey, nothing personal. We'll just take the draft picks and he'll go somewhere else where he gets top of market it became clear that there was something more to the story than that. Here's Drew Rosenhaus and Tyreek Hill from episode one, season one of It Needed to Be Said on other concerns about Hill's relationship with the Chiefs. There was a lot of um, times during the year that we felt that Tyreek was underutilized um, and wasn't fully... Uh, appreciated that really weren't taking full advantage of, of all visibility and talent, but Tyreek's a trooper. He, he never made a peep about it. He never went to the media. By the way. Per- if, if teams are going to give us favorable one-on-one matches, one-on-one matches against their best corner, I don't see why team, I don't see why teams don't utilize their best receiver. Right. You know, and that's, and that's where like probably me and the Chiefs fell apart right there when I'm like, yo, like, I, I don't mean to talk or be a diva in some situations, but hey, can I can I see the pill sometimes, please? Yeah, just give me the ball. Just give me the ball, please. We had a little jump cut in there. That wasn't a straight continuous discussion. It was two separate parts that were spliced together, but but it's still in context, that's that's what was said. And he specifically made it clear, Miles, that it started after the game against Baltimore. That was only week two. Week one, he had 11 catches for 197 yards on 15 targets in a 33-29 win over the Browns. Week two, at Baltimore, Sunday night game, 36-35 loss, targeted four times, three catches for 14 yards. That's when he started complaining to Drew Rosenhaus, and the complaints lasted all year long. How are they using me? They're not using me. I'm not being selfish. I'm not being a diva, but I'm this ultimate weapon. You want to win football games, you need to use me. So that mindset was the foundation 
for the contract talks that happened after the season. Right. But, you know, if we're going to talk about things that needed to be said, it's kind of like, well, don't we all remember the context of what was going on there? And we're like, oh, my gosh, is the Chiefs offense broken? Is it this? Is it that? Teams were utilizing two high safeties. They were taking things away from that offense. And so as the season goes on, the Chiefs adjust. And at the end of the day, Tyreek Hill was targeted 159 times. He had 111 catches. This was seventh in the league with that, right? He had 10 games with at least 10 targets. Look at the list of people who were targeted the most in the NFL, as you can see it right there. Tyreek Hill's behind only Cooper Cup, who had one of the most outstanding seasons a receiver could ever have. Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, and DJ Moore. That's the list. So I'm like, I, I understand what he's saying in some way. Like, yeah, give me the rock, give me the rock, give me this, give me that. But, like, I feel like there's a lot more context to it than just, hey, get me the ball. I mean, if you look at that game that they had against the L.A. Chargers that they lost at home, you know, Tyreek Hill was targeted with the ball, but he drops one and it ends up as an interception. So, you know, you're taking away one of your opportunities right there to make a play by not making a play when the ball's right at you. I, I, there's just context missing to a lot of this, I feel like. And let's put the graphic back up because there's an important bit of context that that really didn't come through in his complaints either. See all the guys ahead of him and even the guys behind him. Now, Keenan Allen had, had Mike Williams. Uh, and look at Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, right? They were both targeted a lot of times on the same team. Tyreek Hill has Travis Kelsey eaten out of the same trough. He was targeted 134 times. Mm-hmm. So... When you have Travis Kelsey on your team, it makes it harder to be the guy who is the focal point of the passing game. And there was a symbiosis there, at least we thought there was, where it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey, it's Tyree Kill. And as long as those three guys are healthy and effective, it's a great trio to make a passing game go. And and it had created a lot of frustration for the Chiefs because – how is there not a number two receiver that is flourishing amid the fact that all the attention goes to Hill and Kelsey? Right. And Hill still got all those targets, even though everybody knew you need to give extra attention to Tyreek Hill because he is so dangerous. But the frustration began with that Baltimore loss, and he had other games where if you just look at the basic End result, five catches, seven catches, six, four, two against the Denver Broncos in a 22-9 win, two against the Steelers in a 36-10 win. So I don't know if he wanted to have a Cooper Cup-type season where at the end of the day he's challenging Calvin Johnson for the reception and receiving yardage record. And maybe, maybe every week we're hearing about Cooper Cup chasing Calvin Johnson and Tyreek Hill's thinking, well, hell, I could do that too if they would just throw me the ball more often, if they would make me the focal point of the offense. And not just short pass, I mean, not just long pass, give me the ball in space and off I go. He, he made that comment. We may be playing that as part of what's coming up or just get me the ball and I'll, I'll take it because they can't, cut, uh, they can't uh, touch me. They can't catch me. I'm gone. So, um, but it does give us an idea about why it all fell apart because Tyreek Hill wanted to be paid and used like the top receiver in the sport. He didn't think he was being used that way. So when it was time to be paid, it's kind of like a little of the Russell Wilson dynamic. Like the Seahawks didn't use Russell yeah. Wilson like a Patrick Mahomes. So why are you going to pay him like a Patrick Mahomes? How do you sustain it in Seattle? And I think that's one of the big reasons why they traded him to Denver. With Tyreek Hill, it was very simple. You're not using me the way that I think you should. So now it's time to pay me the way that I think you should. Oh, now you don't want to pay me the way that I think you should. Well, if they're not going to use him the way that he believes he should be used, then it doesn't surprise me that they're not paying him even though they still were using him like an elite receiver that's where the logic starts to fall apart where I feel like I am spinning around like my dog chasing its tail yeah that's the whole thing where it's kind of like I mean he mentioned this at one point like oh you know they're going to use me all over the field talking about Miami 
And it's like, well, wait a minute, like the, the Chiefs did that. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to like say like, oh my gosh, Andy Reid only thought of Tyreek Hill as a deep, like, no, right. we, we know that that's not true. I mean, there are many, many, many clips of Tyreek Hill getting intermediate routes, short routes and taking it, you know, think about how he would come out of the backfield sometimes, they would have him in motion and then you know, either Patrick Mahomes is going to fake it to somebody and then he's going to throw it to Tyreek Hill or maybe he's faking it to Tyreek Hill on the bubble screen and then going somewhere else. I mean, Tyreek Hill's been utilized all over the field. And think about what he did against Buffalo in that playoff game where he takes that one pass. And I mean, I think he even mentioned it in the podcast, right, where he, he goes 70 and he's talking, he's saying that basically in the context of Tua Tonga Bailoa. But that's something that Patrick Mahomes did with the Chiefs, right? Think about that, that drive that they had with 13 seconds. That's an intermediate route that he caught on that one in order to get the Chiefs down the field a little bit more. I, I, we can say that, like, yeah, Tyreek Hill can have all the feelings he wants. But at the same time, it's not like the Chiefs didn't utilize him as a strong receiving threat on basically every single play. And one of their philosophies has been like, look, it could be Tyreek Hill, it could be Travis Kelsey, maybe one day it's Demarcus Robinson, it could be Nicole Hartman. We have a lot of different weapons. It usually ended up being Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey having the big game, but like that's it's going to be different now that he's not there. But I just, the whole thing of like, oh my gosh, the, the Chiefs didn't use me, like blah, blah, blah. Like that's that's not really how they were going to win. There was a reason why they went 12 and five. You know, there's a reason why they've hosted the last four AFC championship games. Like they're more balanced than that. And, and they're trying to be more balanced than that, but you still need to have that weapon that the opposing defenses will game plan against. And they don't have that. Now they may develop it in sky more. They may develop it in Marquez Valdez Scantling, who knows, or maybe it really is just going to be, Instead of two guys that are legitimate weapons, you've got Kelsey Still and Sky Moore and MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, and it is more of a revolving door. But the problem is if you don't have that one receiver, that game breaker that draws extra attention, the other guys have to work harder to get open. And Patrick Mahomes has to work harder to identify on every given play who's got the favorable matchup, pre-snap, post-snap, while he's running around, who really is open instead of, I know Tyreek Hill's just going to go get the ball. I know he's right. he's going to find a way to get open, even if he's got extra uh, defender over the top that he just runs by along with everyone else. All right, so after the season, and let's rewind. We're, we're getting into the early stages of the offseason. Super Bowl has come and gone. We're in the contract renegotiation phase where some guys – uh, who are due to become free agents, get new contracts, or guys who are a year away start getting their contracts. And and it looked like that's what the Chiefs were doing. There was reporting from NFL media that the Chiefs and Tyree Kill talking about a new contract. And it was a Saturday night, I think in early March. It may have been right after the Devontae Adams trade because the Devontae Adams trade was obviously a major catalyst for what the Chiefs and Tyree Kill ultimately chose to do. Tyree Kill had a tweet that Shireen sent it to me and said, it kind of feels like he's saying goodbye to Kansas City. And I pride myself on having good instincts most of the time. But I was like, yeah, nah, that's not what this said. Nah, they're working out a new contract. And that was all we had heard at the time. And, and look, that's a testament to how quiet they kept it all. Think about that. There's some real dysfunction going on between Tyree Kill and the Chiefs. Drew Rosenhaus was a master mm-hmm. at keeping that from exploding or imploding or whichever the right ploding is, either of the plodings. Ploding is always bad, X or M. He kept it from happening, which is very impressive when you consider what was really happening behind the curtain. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Here's Rosenhaus and Hill from season one, episode one of It Needed to Be Said, talking about the negotiations with the Chiefs and how that Devontae Adams deal was a catalyst for change. Adam's got the huge deal. I, I spoke to Tyreek and I we both agreed that we were going to put the pressure on the Chiefs, that they were either going to do a deal like that um, or it wasn't a great fit anymore because the respect isn't 
is it mutual if you don't see it that way? And um, I talked to Brett Veach, the team GM, and I outlined the deal that, that Adam's got and that it should be a no-brainer for them to do that deal for us. Right. And if, if they didn't want to do that type of deal, then we would get them a blockbuster trade. I flat out told them that I felt like I, I could talk to teams around the league and and bring a bunch of bring great compensation. Crazy part is yeah. I, I talked to Patrick Mahomes. I talked to uh, Andy Reid right, right for thirty minutes for like thirty minutes or so. Right. I talked to both of them on the phone. I'm like, hey, coach, yo, like I don't even got to be the highest paid for real. Right. I just want to be. I just want to be put in a in 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 like a realistic position. That's that's like realistic for me and my family, right? You want to be compensated for your talent. Exactly. I don't got to get thirty million. I, I'm 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 I, at least give me twenty five, right? Twenty six, right? You know, they they wouldn't even they wouldn't even giving so, <laughs> numbers. So completely ignore the fact that you're taking two and three defenders across the field to make way for, tra- for for Kelsey to have these completely, historical numbers. Completely, man. It's crazy wow. how how the business works, man. But like I say. I I tried my best. I talked to the big man injury. Right. I talked to the quarterback. I'm like, look, can we make something happen? Right. Can we make something happen? Can the guarantee money make sense to me? Right. Can it make sense to my yeah, family? You know, but- you know I, I, there's plenty there to unpack, as they say. That's not as cool as saying someone's on assignment, but I like saying there's a lot there to unpack. Um. First of all, first of all, and hey, it needed to be said, so it needs to be said. He didn't need to be the highest paid player at his position. But you know what? At least three or four times, Drew Rosenhaus mentions $30 million a year. It's not a $30 million a year contract. There's BS on the back end to get the average up to $30 million. It is not a $30 million a year deal. It just isn't because by the time he gets to the balloon payment the last year, that deal is going to be ripped up and replaced or he's going to be gone, or whatever. There's a huge back-end number that gets him to the $30 million per year average. He wanted to get to 30. He he doesn't want to trumpet it in this context. That's fine. But they wanted to get to 30. And they also said, Rosenhaus said, he's the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL. No, Aaron Donald is. It's established. He has a real... 30 plus million per year over the next three years. Aaron Donald is the highest paid non quarterback in football ever, not Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's at about 27 million, right? Which he said he would have been fine with from the Chiefs. The bottom line is they went to the Chiefs saying just give us the Devontae Adams deal. The Raiders had to give up first round pick plus before they even had the ability to give Devontae Adams his contract. Chiefs could do it without giving up anything. Here he is, just give him that deal. And it would have been done, and it would have been fine, so they say. But the Chiefs wouldn't even get there. Chances are if the Chiefs would have got there, Drew would have tried to get a little bit more. That's what he's doing. And I always say, get the most you can. Get the most you can. Uh, for the players, too. Yeah. And, and, and I understand you don't want to come off as greedy or selfish. A lot of people are struggling now, and gas is expensive, and the economy's tough. I get it. But for the players, get what you can because the owners – uh, the owners are doing well too and yeah. they get half of the revenues and all of the equity so get what you can and don't apologize for it but i can understand from a pr standpoint it it looks unseemly if you're saying i really wanted 30 but i would have settled for 25 um yeah. but regardless 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 the chiefs just didn't want to go there and the chiefs looked at it as a very simple this is where it became a business proposition we have, one, we have two choices. One, we can pay this guy this huge amount of money that he wants. When we've already been dealing with him being kind of a diva all year long, complaining about the games when he doesn't get the ball enough. See, that's the, the subtext from the Chiefs' perspective that they're considering. This guy's kind of become a pain in our ass this year. Complaining, complaining, complaining. Internally, we don't really like that. So we can pay him a lot of money for more of the same. Or we can take five draft picks, save all that cap space, and try to do our passing game a bit of a different way where we don't have this guy who's wearing us out when he's not getting the ball thrown his way. We got to let Patrick Mahomes be the captain of this ship, not Tyreek Hill. And so they made that philosophical decision. And, and, and that's why I, I was amazed that this was all so low stress, very clean, simple, it's only business, nothing personal. Obviously, there was some personal behind it. They did a good job of keeping hidden until June the 10th. Well, right. The the thing about it, though, 
is when you're when he's saying, you know, I talked to the quarterback, I talked to Andy Reid. Like at the end of the day, like Andy Reid, yes, is you know the big football decision maker, but it's not Patrick Mahomes' decision. I mean, I understand that Patrick Mahomes probably would not want Tyreek Hill to go elsewhere. But based on the way the Chiefs have done business since Patrick Mahomes has been there, they have really communicated with him very, very well. So they probably explained it to him in you know fairly simple, antiseptic like business terms like, hey, look, if we pay Tyreek Hill this, then that's going to take away from cap space that we can have to do this, 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 and this, right? So it's, it's a team-building exercise, and the Chiefs have been pretty good at kind of like seeing things from a 30,000 foot view in some ways. I think about this with Tyron Matthew, right? So Tyron Matthew safety has been a team leader, good, like good guy in the community. Like he has done a lot of good things for that defense, but he's getting a little bit older. Right. And so then they go and they sign somebody like a Justin Reed who comes in and is basically going to take Tyron Matthew's spot. He's younger. Right. He has a similar kind of skill set, and they feel like, he can be the guy to do what they need him to do defensively. And I think that you can sort of look at it in the same way with Tyreek Hill, right? You're not going to pay one player that much more. If you feel like you can go and do things that is that are going to help you build the team a little bit better than just having one player. And it's just the way that they build it. So like, I get why Tyreek Hill's like, hey, man, I would have taken X amount of money. I would have taken Y amount of money. And it may not have taken me to be the highest paid receiver. And it's this and it's that. But that's not necessarily the way that Kansas City has shown that they're going to build their team. So I, that's why it's like, all right, well, and I mean, I, this was our perception of it at the time. It's like, okay, well, if Kansas City is going to do that, then they're going to get as much compensation as they possibly can for Tyreek Hill. And they're going to let Tyreek Hill go to a place where he can be paid a lot of money. And Tyreek Hill said at the time, like, yeah, I wasn't really that interested in the Dolphins until I saw what they were going to pay me. And then, you know, now I'm really interested in it. So I, I understand the perspective of both sides of this. And and we see different teams with different approaches to the receiver position. That's what's been so fascinating about this offseason. Yeah. You'll have a team that's got an F them picks mindset. And this is why we saw so many trades. You need one team whose attitude is F them picks right. and another team that says, oh, wow, we get all these draft picks, these unused lottery tickets in exchange for a proven guy. And that's I think it made more sense for the Chiefs to do it than the Titans because the Titans went and got A.J. Yes. Brown in round two. And instead of giving him a second contract that he's earned, you send him to a team that is happy to pay him a market level deal and give up the picks and you say, give us the picks and we'll start over again. And then you go, you go take a receiver in round one and you put extra pressure on him to be as good as the guy that you just traded. I don't know that that makes a lot of sense, but we'll find out. It's going to be some yeah. great experiments here. What makes more sense, taking the picks or giving up the picks and paying the player at a position where every year there's a great crop of young receivers coming in to the NFL. It's like what's going on with running backs, but unlike with running backs, other teams out there are willing to throw a ton of money and draft picks at getting a proven receiver, even though there's a pretty good chance they resort to the draft and they're going to find a proven receiver. The problem is there's just enough busts floating around at the receiver position, whether it's Nikhil Harry or Jalen Rieger so far. Story still isn't completely written on him. Maybe he'll be a lot better with A.J. Brown there. But there's still the bust potential. It's not 100% hit rate. So you can't – with with running backs, it feels like – it feels like – now there's plenty of running backs that don't pan out. But it just feels like you're more likely to get a running back that can do the basic job than you are to get a receiver who can do the basic job. Okay. In, in the draft. I, I don't know. That's maybe fair. that's, maybe I need to go back and analyze it all, but I just feel like you can't, you don't just assume we're going to go get Justin Jefferson in round one. There is a chance you're going to get Jalen Rigger or Nikhil Harry. Yes. Yeah. I, but, I mean, running backs is sort of a different position, right? I mean, it's, can you read the hole and, and get it there and run the ball? Right. It, less it, to learn, less to learn. At yeah, the next level. Th there is, yeah. there's less to learn and you know, it's different route trees and whatnot. And, you know, you depends on where you go, what the offense is and you know, what you, who is your quarterback too. I mean, that's 
one of the issues that frankly the Titans might have in trying to replace AJ Brown with um, somebody like Burks. Like, like that's that's not a great quarterback we're talking about with Ryan Tannehill. He's good. He's been good in that offense since you know he got there. But like when you're talking about developing guys, I trust Andy Reid to do it because Andy Reid's been doing it for a very, very, very long time, a little bit more than I trust the Titans coaching staff to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I remember the epiphany I had a long time ago when we used to go to all of the West Virginia University home football games. Every year, the Mountaineers had a great running back, and I remember it was like Amos Zeraway and Avon Coburn and K.J. Harris. Every year, every year, there's a guy that was running for 1,000-plus yards every year. And it's, you know, every college has that guy. Every college has one of these guys that, that will, when you put the ball in his hands, make something happen. And they're all eventually making it to the NFL. And when you get to the NFL level, I mean, you have a bunch of guys who have the basic skill set to run right. the football. And if, if you can block for them, if you can trust them to hold on to the football, which is for plenty of guys – a major eye-opener when all of a sudden you got these guys who are bigger, stronger, and faster than anyone you've faced before hitting you and ripping the ball out simultaneously. And if you can trust them to pick up your basic blitz protection, right? Can, can yes. we trust this guy to slide over to the right spot, to spot the guy who's coming through, whichever this gap, this hole, this around the edge, wherever, and make the block and protect the quarterback? Those are the three key things, but it's not as complicated as teaching the guy your passing concepts and sight adjustments and the route tree and option routes and all these different things that go into whatever offense you may land in, especially because there's still a fundamental difference between the professional offenses and a lot of the college offenses. So that's part of the transition as well. But we are in this weird time where there are so many great receivers coming in, but so many teams willing both to pay and trade and also give up. Those, these deals don't happen unless you have teams on each side. And you've got they the Titans tango. and the Chiefs. Well, Titans and Chiefs willing to tango – Eagles and Dolphins willing to tango, and it changes everything for the player. And that, that was the other big talking point coming out of Season 1, Episode 1. It needed to be said. Again, the over-under is three and a half episodes. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe I'll be wrong. Also, don't drop it on a Friday. Drop it on a Monday. I, yeah. we, we need some basic business sense baked into this approach. <laughs> you don't drop the thing on a Friday when no one's paying attention. The thing had like 13,000 views by Saturday morning. It should have had a hell of a lot more than 13,000 right. views. There was some compelling stuff in that, that first episode of it needed to be said, including comments from Tyreek Hill regarding Patrick Mahomes versus Tua Tagovailoa. We heard a little bit at the top. That's just a taste, just a flavor. Here's a little more. Tyreek on Mahomes and Tua. I've had a chance to see Tua throw the ball to, to myself, but man, that's the next question. Like he's a, <laughs> he's that dude, bro. Like what Does a lot of people don't have. know. Like I'm not, like I'm not just sitting here, just I'm not, I'm not just sitting here, just saying this because he's my quarterback now, and and I'm you're not gonna give us the to your tears, are you? That, nah, that's bro, my like, quarterback. Like we're not like, gonna get that. I'm not trying to get more targets right now, but what I'm trying to say is, Tua is that deal, bro. He has an arm. He, bro, he has a heck of an arm, bro. He's accurate. He can throw the deep ball, and he actually goes through his reads. What, what people are like on Twitter are like saying, "Oh, he doesn't go through his reads." Man, this dude, that dude. So, so do you think it's just a comparison issue? You know, the media pundits. We've seen a yeah. lot of people talking about Tyreek. He's gonna regret this trade. He's going to a quarterback who doesn't have an arm. He's this. He's that. I'm gonna tell you like this, man. How do you how do you how do you deal with that? Like that's your quarterback. I know you're not gonna give us the TO tears, right? right? I know you're not. But how do you deal with that? I know that's your quarterback, you gotta protect him. Oh yes. Man, look. But I know you say they got an arm. Right. Who got the strongest arm? Tua or Pat Mahomes? Tua or Patrick Mahomes, obviously, like I'm I'm gonna go with one five as the, the strongest arm, but as far as accuracy wise, I'm going with Tua all day. So which one would you rather have? The deep ball where you got to scramble around the field to try to go find it? Or nah. do you want that accuracy to hit you right in the bread basket on the run? I want it to hit me right in the bread basket just like I did in the Buffalo Bills game and take it 70. And the rest is history. Yeah, Julius Collins is the co-host of It Needed to Be Said. He is Tyree Kill's longtime lawyer. And he knows 
how to stir it up just enough and then back it off. There were several times where he said, you're not taking shots at anybody here. It just needed to be said after the shot was already taken. Like, oh, no, 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 we're not taking any shots here. Shots already taken, Julius. Too late to put the toothpaste back in the toothpaste holder or yeah. tube, as the case may be. So, uh, and, and all this does, practical reality here. It puts more pressure on Tua. Everything that Tyreek Hill said is going to put more pressure on Tua to be accurate, to run the offense effectively, to deliver the football in the breadbasket. Because Tua specifically is expected to put the ball in the breadbasket of Tyreek Hill so he can go 70 yards like he did against Buffalo. So we'll see. But it doesn't put less pressure on Tua. It doesn't lower the bar. You know, I, I mean, maybe Tyreek Hill should have said, well, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. Two is trying to, you know, every other quarterback out there is trying to beat Patrick Mahomes right now. He's the platinum standard. He's the guy. He's been that guy. He's shown it year in and year out. Other guys will have a good year, and then they step back a little bit, and then they try to work it back around. But Patrick Mahomes is the one, and two is trying to get there, and he's got a long way to go. They all have a long way to go, and I'm going to try to help him get there. That puts a lot less pressure on him than he's more accurate than <laughs> he's more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Well, I mean, Good what Lord. you just said, I know. I mean, what you just said is basically what Devontae Adams said last week when some Yahoo asked him, like, compare Derek Carr with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, I hate when you ask questions like that. I'm sorry. And, like, I'm calling out people who, like, are giving us fodder for what we do. But, like, don't ask that question because that, that puts the player in an inherently bad position. Right. Like, how are you really supposed to compare Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers? So I thought Devontae Adams gave a very thoughtful answer. And he said it's like comparing apples to oranges. Right. I mean, like this is like comparing, I don't know, uh, like Ferraris to, I don't know, something else. Right. Like a Kia Sedona. I don't know. Like, that's not what are we doing with Patrick Mahomes into a tongue of Iloa? Like, stop. Patrick Mahomes, as you said, he's there. He's been there. He's shown that he can do it every single year. And last year, they had to do some creative stuff in order to make sure that Patrick Mahomes could accurately deliver the ball to Tyreek Hill so he could take it 70 yards. Again, that was a pass delivered by Patrick Mahomes, which is a weird thing to cite when you're talking about Tua Tungavailoa's accuracy, at least in my opinion. But what do I know? Well, and we've never seen it. They're running around in shorts and right. no pads and oh. sometimes helmets, sometimes no helmets. It's way too early to know what Tua is going to do week one. Peter King made that point 10 days ago when Tua had his press conference where he was a little salty, a little snippy. Again, my message to Tua is it's your own damn team social media group that put right. that video out there. Of the punt return. Like, I mean, don't complain about it. We're just reacting to what your employer put on social media. So, uh, exactly. And uh, and Peter said none of it matters. Well, it does matter because it, it, it sets the table for what's to come. But what does matter is September. And now there's just more pressure. There was already plenty of pressure on Tua, starting with that clip that the Dolphins put on social media. Continuing with Tua talking himself up, now Tyreek talking Tua up, putting him on the same level with Patrick Mahomes. I guess that's, and I agree with what you're saying, we never turn down an opportunity to have content, especially in the months that begin with J.U. However, you don't compare Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. You don't compare Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. You compare Mahomes to Rodgers. That's yes. what you do. It, it is, it's inherently disrespectful to compare an all-time great to a guy who is still working his way toward even being in the conversation on the fringes of one of the best 10 quarterbacks currently in the game. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. That's why like, I just – those kinds of things like frustrate me, and it would frustrate me as beat writer. But, I mean, I, I just – I think that there already was, as you were saying, that pressure on Tua. I mean, look, he, he was probably going to get replaced with Tom Brady, which is still not a bigger story, even though Tom Brady issued a non-denial denial last week when he was asked about it, right? So 
It wasn't even a non-denial denial. It was a non-denial confirmation. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So we already know that, like, if things don't really work out with two in a critical third season, then Miami's going to try to look elsewhere. That's just what happens at the quarterback position at this point. So they've done a lot to try to surround Tua with good receivers, right? When you're talking about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like, that's that's good, right? You got Mike Sicky as a tight end. That's also good. I think Mike McDaniel should come in there and run a really effective scheme for somebody like Tua because if you look at what the San Francisco 49ers have done in the last few years with Jimmy Garoppolo and being able to get to a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game with that guy, you take that same kind of system and put it with Tonga Bailoa, it should work out very well when you've got elite pass catchers. But that being said, he still has to go out there and do it. And, you know, we just don't know until he actually either does or doesn't. It's going to make for a very interesting season two, episode one of It Needed to Be Said. Next year. When the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, if it makes it to season two, when the quarterback of Miami Dolphins entering season two for Tyreek Hill as a member of the team is Tom Brady or (laughs) Lamar Jackson or... Or, yeah, keep up. That was last, I dropped that bomb last week on Rich Eisen's show, and they were all very surprised. But you know what? It's been on my radar screen. I talked mm-hmm. to somebody you could argue is in the know about this weeks ago. And, and there's a way this thing unfolds in Baltimore where the Ravens just get exasperated and say we're going to tag him and we're going to trade him. And the number one dex- destination next year – for a veteran quarterback looking to go to a place where the deck is stacked in his favor is going to be Miami. The only question this year, does Tua do enough? And there's a different vibe. You know, with Jalen Hurts, it feels like they're all in because they went out and got his good friend, A.J. Brown, right? It feels like they're, they're doing everything they can to support Jalen Hurts. In Miami, same idea, different vibe. In Miami, the vibe is no excuses for Tua. If you don't get it done this year, we got to find another quarterback. That It's a subtle difference, but I think it just all, all comes down to the relationship, the personal relationship between Brown and Hurts versus the personal relationship between Hill and Tua. Although, based on season one, episode one, it needed to be said, maybe they already have a friendship as yeah. close as Brown and Hurts. And I don't know, maybe Hill's going to be the key in breaking the tie between sticking with Tua next year or going and getting someone else until they sit down with Tyreek and say, hey, you know what? We can get you Tom Brady this year. Or we can get you Lamar Jackson this year. We can get you Patrick Mahomes this year. I'm kidding about that one. But uh, I, 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 another point, too, and I, I really do think, and I'm, I'm looking for uh, where it is in this um, article from Friday night. I found it. At one point, Tyree Kill sounds off about not being allowed last year to go see his grandfather who had prostate cancer and the Chiefs wouldn't let him go. And I feel like, so I've just, there's a little edge there beyond any of this business stuff that we've been discussing. Right. There's a little, and maybe business becomes personal if you think the business isn't being handled the right way. So you start looking for things to be indignant about that you otherwise wouldn't be bothered by. But the one thing that I think that is at the core of this, and Rosenhaus was in the middle of articulating it, and Tyree Kill jumped in and pushed back. But Rosenhaus is going to know. Rosenhaus has dealt with hundreds of guys over the years. He knows what guys want. He knows from talking to them and dealing with them what they want. I think it came down to Tyree Kill was not the biggest fish in Kansas City. It's Patrick Mahomes. And maybe Travis Kelsey, that that Tyreek Hill was never elevated to Mahomesian level. In Miami, it's all about Tyreek. Everything's being built around Tyreek. It's Tyreek, Tyreek, Tyreek. And even though he said, I don't care about the notoriety, I kind of think he does. And I'm going to defer to Rosenhaus because he knows his clients, past, present, and future. Even future, he probably knows. He can probably read a guy in a five-minute conversation as to where he fits within all the various personality types he's dealt with over the years. So when Rosenhaus is, is making this case for Mahomes is the king in Kansas City and now Tyreek can be the king in Miami and Tyreek kind of pushes him back and shouts him down, I'm thinking maybe Drew was onto something and Tyreek just didn't want to have that said 
on it needed to be said. That, hey, Drew, that doesn't need to be said. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I mean, and then, you know, we can talk about definitions of notoriety. Like, I don't think that he actually does want notoriety. He probably just wants fame no. or celebrity. But no. anyway. Correct. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Anyway, well done, I Columbia. Know. Uh, I know. Yeah, sorry. These, these things are the things that bother me. Like when it's like 15 items or less, it's 15 items or fewer at the grocery store. Anyway, um, I just feel like there's something there with Tyreek where it's like, yeah, you probably can be the biggest fish in the pond in Miami as a dolphin, as we continue with like water animals and analogies. Like I, I just, there's, there's something there with that. And there is something to that, you know, I mean, whether we want it or not, you know, whether we whether we feel like we want it or not, sometimes inherently there are things within us. It's like, man, like if I can be at the top, if I can be on the billboards, if I can be the one guy that people think of as the face of the franchise, like that, that's something, you know, I, I, I think that there is something to that. Notoriety noun, the state of being famous or well known for some bad quality or deed. So yes, notoriety is something that Tyree kill has had, that uh-huh. he is trying to erase and that they spent most of the first 20 minutes of episode one, season one, if it needed to be said, just flat out ignoring. So he already has the notoriety in Kansas City. The question is how much of the notoriety follows him into South Florida? Well, I think we said all that can be said about the first episode of it needed to be said. I stick by my my prediction that Tyreek Hill is going to lose interest in this thing fairly quickly. They At one point, they were waxing about all of the, what guests do you want to have? You know, and, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, it's not, if you're going to do a guest-driven format, it's not easy to do. You better have it's a good not. producer. You better have somebody that's got a deep Rolodex. Google that one too, kids. You better have somebody that's got a phone that's full of uh, names and numbers because they just don't fall out of the sky and say, we, we need to do, we want to be the next get for it needed to be said. And I checked the view count. It's the 35,000, which isn't horrendous. But for, for the headlines that thing made, we had two different stories that linked it. Other people were talking about it. It should be 350,000. So and and I suspect that Tyree Kill is apoplectic that his first episode didn't achieve the notoriety that he had hoped right out of the gates. But we'll see. Maybe it's going to be delayed reaction. Maybe it'll happen today. Who knows? We've just spent 50 minutes talking about it. So maybe more people will go and have a listen to season one, episode one. It needed to be said. Let's take a break. Uh There were some things last week that did not need to be said by Jack Del Rio. They were said anyway. The the consequences reverberated into the weekend and surely will continue into this week, especially with the Washington Commanders having a mandatory minicamp. We'll discuss all of that when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 